quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Oh, Yes Guy, episode 109, or as we like to say, Yes Guy 109. Coming up on the broadcast today, Art Hindle, veteran Canadian actor and director, will stop by. Victor Finley, he is a play-by-play voice developing for TSN, does the CHL and Champions League hockey as well. Also, singer-songwriter Christian Perry has a new tune out. We'll listen to that. Fascinating stuff. And Frankie C. will stop by and mop up with Yes Guy, No Guy. If you are an experienced real estate agent, you should add a distinct advantage and comprehensive value. Contact Charles Park Managing Broker, REMAX Realty Services Incorporated Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. Call Charles at 647-292-8886 for a confidential interview or contact him via email charlespark at remax.net. When you go to fox40shop.com, you'll find the Fox 40 Titan, the Fox 40 Coaching Boards, the Fox 40 Electronic Whistle, producing 100 decibels at the push of a button. Go to fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. Guest number one, veteran Canadian actor and director Art Hindle. And Art, you know, let's go back. A lot of movies, early 70s, Porky's. There's that hockey movie face-off that we're going to talk about. It's done about the Leafs, lots of TV, Dallas, ENG, still going over 50 years. How did it all start for you? I guess it started, uh, the actual physical way I got started was uh, I went to, I was a stockbroker, doing very well as a stockbroker. I went to a play one night. I think I cried through the whole thing, and and I was very moved. And I thought to myself, "Gee, I wish I could do that." And and I think acting had been something in the back of my head all my life, really. My mom started taking me to movies before I could talk or walk. She loved movies, and uh, and actually, uh, I started going to movies. I remember I'd come home, and she'd uh, because she had asthma, she had stopped going to the movies because uh, she'd have an asthma attack usually in the middle of the movie and not be able to go and. And I'd come home and she'd say, oh, tell me the movie art. And, uh, you know, so I'd act out the whole thing for her. And she'd, if it was a comedy, she'd laugh or, you know, whatever it was. And and then she'd, she'd say, oh, Arthur, you should be an actor. You're so good, blah, blah, blah. So this, this I, I guess, uh, you know, it, it kind of got buried in there. And then uh, then that, that night that I saw that great play and got moved, I I, I went back the next day. And uh, there was a person at the theater, a woman, and I asked, I told her, I said, I'd like, I think I'd like to be an actor, and I don't know what to do, um, but I'm willing to do anything. Uh, that's how I got to be a stockbroker. I walked around Bay Street looking for a job. And uh, long story short, she said, uh, go to this address next week and uh, don't wear this expensive suit. Wear some work clothes, and there'll be somebody there to tell you what to do. So I showed up, and the guy uh, the guy said, oh, you're the one that wants to be an actor. He says, okay. I said, yeah, and you're going to show me what to do. He says, yeah, grab a shovel. <laughs> so we had to dig out an old derelict building and uh, and put a theater in there. The theater company had bought a building. They were going to have a new theater. So uh, that's how I started. I read that you were shy as a kid, so a lot of this must have helped you develop. Well, you know, um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess you learn as an actor. You learn to uh, to cover that up. I don't know if you ever lose your uh, shyness. Although I know that I'm I'm a bugaboo when I hear parents calling their kids shy. I said, don't don't call, don't say that word around them. Don't don't you know? 
they'll pick that up right away and, and maybe use that as an excuse as they grow up. But, uh, yeah, I was, I, I was, I guess I was shy. I was, I wasn't used to being around people because, uh, uh, my parents are going through a divorce and I bounced around. I went from school to school. I didn't really make any friends. It's very hard to make friends. I was coming into schools in the middle of the year and, uh, and, uh, you know, really, uh, being an outsider. So, uh, so that was difficult, and you you just don't learn to be social. You don't have long-standing friends and stuff like that. I know it's, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but and so I I guess I that helped improve though my imagination because I I used to have to play games by myself. I had I loved having tin soldiers, and I had each of my tin soldiers would have characters and all that kind of stuff, and they'd each be an individual type guy, and uh, so. You know, I think it just uh, grows on. Also, I had a, an uncle. Uh, he's married to my mother's sister, who was an actor, a very well-known actor at the time. Uh, was working in New York and, and L.A. He was originally from Montreal. And, uh, you know, so that was, it didn't seem unattainable. But it wasn't like I went into acting to go to Hollywood. I, I went into acting to actually do theater just in just in Toronto and hopefully, you know, make a living uh you know i i had uh, two kids with a third on the way when i quit being a broker and went into it so so it was do or die you know let's talk about that movie in the early 70s the hockey movie you play this guy uh, billy duke who i think is mirrored after jim mckinney i might be wrong this is a hockey movie about the leafs it uh it's a good movie i remember seeing it in the theater yeah it was uh uh you know uh it was produced by a guy named Johnny Bassett, and I'm sure you know you know and remember Johnny. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember after the first screening of the rushes, I came out into the hallway and we're standing around, and and so I I kind of made the mistake of asking Johnny what what he thought of it because I know I was <laughs> I was devastated. You never you should never watch yourself in doing uh, take after take after take of something. You know, it's 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 a bit rough. But I asked him, and he says, oh, he says, I kind of expected you to be a little more dynamic. I said, oh, okay, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, you know, kind of like Bobby Orr. And I said, well, John, I, I said, I, I've never met Bobby Orr. I don't know Bobby Orr. I don't even know what he's like. I, I know nothing. I just know he's a hockey player. Uh, I did hang, I did go on a road trip with the Leafs for four games uh, across the country. Uh, I hung out with Jim a lot, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I'm playing it true and, you know, anyway, so, oh, well, it'll do. <laughs> so that, that was the start of it. Right. Yeah. And I don't think the director really cared much about it either here. I remember one time, uh, in the, I don't know if you've been on a film set, but they, it, it starts by this when they're going to say, eventually the director is going to say action, but it starts with the sound guy saying sound, right? So that, you know, sound is rolling and then speed, somebody else yells speed and that's the camera is rolling. And then the act, the director says action. Well, in this, in our case, one time they went sound speed and then they waited. There was no, no action. We looked over at the chair and the director was asleep. Uh, we were, when we were shooting in the gardens at, at the end of uh, the two months, and thank God for that because I couldn't skate very well when I started, but I, I would practice on my own, and by the time we got to it, um, I was doing pretty, pretty.
pretty well, according to Paul Henderson, anyway, because he saw me at the beginning of my uh, my my skating, and then he saw me two months later, and he he said to me, he whispered to me, he says, "How'd you do that?" You know. So I I guess I I impressed him. But I was shooting a scene with the Rangers, real Rangers. We worked with real hockey players, and uh, there's a scene where my character gets chippy because he's supposed to be a scorer and a, and a you know a great player. So he's getting chippy because he's having trouble with his girlfriend. Jackman goes around behind uh, the goal goaltender goes around behind the uh, net to stop a puck, and I come in and I slew foot him, and then Rod Sealing, you remember Rod. He came in and and starts. We start, you know, pushing, pushing, and then it turns into a fight. In the in the script, well, we did the fight three times. We saw us a push, 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 drop glove, fight, right, bare fisted, you know, hitting, hitting, and then fall to the ice and do a scramble. And uh, we did it three times. The worst thing, the toughest thing to do on ice is to fight. Actually, it's harder than skating and playing hockey. And I'm getting tired, and I said to the, I said, I think I just said to somebody, why is it, why are we doing so many takes on this? I think everyone feels pretty good. And the camera guy says to me, he says, Rod Sealing's laughing. Okay, keep it rolling. So we, I come in, slew foot, Ed Jackman. Sealing comes in, we we joust back and bang, 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 bang. And then before we can get to the part where we drop glove, I just punched him in the nose. <laughs> And that, and I jumped on him and I knocked him to the ice and and did some you know fake fist swinging until I heard cut. He's struggling to get up. He's on his back, and then I heard cut and I got up, Jim, and I ran, <laughs> ran to the dressing room, locked the door, and there's some banging on the door and all kinds of <laughs> stuff. And then five minutes later, you know, somebody but the AD came and said, Art, you've got to come out and finish the scene. I said, No, I think, I, you know. Sealing uh, wants to kill me. He says, no, no, we talked to him. And then I opened the door and Jim said, look, Art, he said, you know, here I was thinking you guys weren't taking my my business serious. And, and what am I doing? I'm making fun of your business. Come on. He says, let's go do it right. Well, just assuming you're a Leafs fan because you've been around Toronto for a long time, it had to be a thrill to do something at Maple Leaf Gardens with that movie. Uh, yeah, Maple Leaf Gardens. Wow, that was great. We we used to go there early in the morning before we shot. We shot there for a couple of weeks, and uh, and I remember one. I remember one morning I went in, got dressed in the dress leaf dressing room in my costume, my leaf uniform, and I went out and stepped on the ice, and a big roar went up, and I realized what Bassett had done was open up the gardens for everybody to pay a dollar that was going to go to cancer research. People could just come, watch a movie being made, watch they advertise movie stars and, and NHL players. So the thing had about 8,000 people sitting in it by 8 o'clock in the morning. And I stepped on the ice. They didn't know who the hell I was. They just knew it was a hockey player coming stepping on the ice. And this big roar went up. And then the, the place eventually filled up. And I got to tell you, Jim, that's when I learned uh, that was the best skating I've ever done in my life that day. All right, this has been a real fun time. Thanks very much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jim, for thinking of me. And you take care, all right?
If you are an experienced real estate agent, you should add a distinct advantage and comprehensive value. Contact Charles Park, managing broker, REMAX Realty Services Incorporated Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. Call Charles at 647-292-8886 for a confidential interview or contact him via email, charlespark at remax.net. When you go to the fox40shop.com website, you'll find the Fox 40 Titan, Fox 40 Coaching Boards, the Fox 40 Electronic Whistle, producing 100 decibels at the push of a button. Go to foxportyshop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. Check out Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan, and a sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic. Available now, titanium, gold, or matte black. Go to foxfortyshop.com. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and a real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 32 years of experience, Herp will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Let's bring in our guest in this segment, Victor Finley, play-by-play voice. You've heard him recently on the Champions League with my buddy Frankie C. Victor, how are you today, sir? I am terrific, Jim. How are you? Good. Do you have Before we get going, do you have any Frankie C. stories, things that have melted down on the air? You know what? He's managed to do a great job of keeping it together. Uh, we, we had a player in Champions Hockey League who he remembers from the AHL. His name's Brian O'Neill. And apparently uh, O'Neill got some good chirps in on Frankie when he, when he was in the AHL. So I think he was biting his tongue a little bit on, uh, on going in on this guy. But uh, he did a great job of taking the high road and showing some restraints. So Frankie's off to a, a flying start for his color commentary career. It's hard to believe Frankie C could have trouble with a guy named O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> He's a shifty little player. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about yourself. Toronto Metropolitan University uh, is where you went to school, and, and I mean, you, you did some play-by-play there. How did you get into all this? Yeah, well, it started when I was a kid, about 12 years old, and you know, I figured out I wasn't very good at playing sports, but I was, I was decent at talking about them. So it turns out there's a, a career that's kind of tailor-made for that. So uh, I, I figured out from a young age that that would be something I'd, I'd try and go after. And then I got into uh, TMU, which was at the time known as Ryerson, uh, into their, their sport media program. And it was the, the first year that the, the sport media program had ever existed uh, when I got in in uh, 2014. So it wasn't until my second year of university I started calling hockey games for the men's hockey team. And I did that for three seasons. And uh, just down the road from where I am now at Maple Leaf Gardens. So uh, still... Probably my favorite venue uh, to have called a game at, and I, I did a bunch of them, over 40 of them, uh, over my three years uh, that I, I did that uh, with the hockey team there. And uh, and then from there, since I graduated in 2018, it's it's been a real interesting journey with a lot of ups and downs. It's been a real roller coaster, but uh, very grateful for it. You know, there's that bit where you can talk to your younger self, and, and in some respects, uh, you are my younger self, just because of what you said about university. So I'm interested to know um, those those years that, as you got into university, how you changed during the course of, of, of that particular course that you took, and, and what it did to you. Well, I learned a lot, and, you know, I think growing up as a kid and there's a lot of kids that want to be sports broadcasters. I think there's the idea of being a sports broadcaster. Then there's the reality of being a sports broadcaster, right? Because as you know, Jim, there's so much that goes on, you know, behind the scenes in in the lead up to the broadcast and, you know, the aftermath of a broadcast that, 
that makes it all click. So for me, in my four years in the sport media program, it was just trying to absorb as much as I could from as many people as I could and, and really figure out, you know, what being a sports broadcaster was all about. And the sport media program gave me a great opportunity to do that, just being around, a, you know, a hockey team. That was a high-level hockey team, by the way. I love university hockey. It's, uh, it's, it's the best-kept secret in Canada. It has been for years. And uh, it's not just TMU that has a great hockey program. There's, there's plenty of them all over the country. So, so that was just a great opportunity to be a part of that every day and, and you know, figure out, make mistakes, and you know, kind of figure out what it, it, it would take to, to find myself as a sports broadcaster. So it's, it's kind of a, a, you know, a big answer. I, I could go on for a long time about this, but I, I think it really does just boil down to, to figuring out you know, what sport broadcasting was all about and whether or not, you know, it was right for me and I was cut out for it. And, uh, you know, I think looking back on it now, for sure, um, it, you know, it's, it's a good fit for me. And, you know, I, I'm really glad I went through the experiences I did when I was in the sport media program for four years. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the, the hockey game premise, because when you do a, a hockey game for television, it's like being in a movie set, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. You know, we got a we got a brand new studio. Well, it's maybe not brand new anymore, but it was when I was there at Maple Leaf Gardens. And uh, and they gave us all the, the bells and whistles that, that you would have on a, a pretty standard TV broadcast. So we, we would have five cameras, you know, full switcher director, replay systems, uh, graphics, audio. And, you know, part of that, too, being a student there was to, to get your hands on with, with everything. So I wasn't just a sports broadcaster when I was there, you know, I was chipping in, especially my first year, I was doing stuff behind the scenes. I was doing a lot of replay operation. I did some switching and, and some directing. So just kind of getting the, the whole feel for what, you know, an entire um, sports broadcast is, is encapsulated by. And that all makes you better too, is, you know, if you're looking to get into producing or, or looking to get into on air or looking to get into audio, doing those other roles gives you a better understanding of how yours works and, and how it works in relation because sports broadcasting, I always say, is a team sport. And it, it takes a lot of people doing, you know, the right thing at the right time, doing their job at the same time to make it function uh, to its highest potential. So, so that was a great opportunity, getting in there and, and getting into that studio and messing around with all kinds of things. Well, and you, you obviously know that reps are, are the, the best teaching mechanism there is. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more, the more you do, the easier it becomes. So I, I watched the CHL game the other night. Uh, you were in Kitchener, so, so you are, you know, you're getting a lot of reps in and with TSN. And I'm going to tell just between you and me, not telling anybody else, if you're, if you're at that level with TSN, it's because they think you have a future. So good for you. I appreciate that, Jim. Like I said, I, you know, I, and I've had a lot of great people too that helped me along the way, and uh, very grateful for that, and and very grateful for the journey to be where I am. Um, so, when you started this, I mean, did you did you listen to? I mean, what was it that attracted you? Because uh, there's always something that that sort of draws you in that initial draw, and it can be something that doesn't mean anything to anybody else. What was it that you you looked at this or you listened to it and you went, boom, that's me. You know, I, I think the first time when it really clicked for me was during my first year of calling men's hockey games at the Gardens. And, uh, you know, at the time, Ryerson had a – well, they, they still do with TMU. They, they have a, a pretty good hockey program, and they went to the playoffs uh, my first year there. But they for years, they got stuck in the second round. And uh, the, the, the two games I call – because they're best of three playoff series in, in university in Ontario – uh, so we only did the home games, but both the games, and they ended up losing in the second round on the road again, but both home games I called in the playoffs that year were playoff overtime winners for Ryerson. And uh, 
And it was there was something special about it. The first game was against the University of Waterloo, and it was a wild back and forth game. And and you know Ryerson ends up winning five four in overtime. And then the the next round they they won a uh, you know it was, it was a ridiculous goal. The captain of the team, Michael Fine, goes from end to end, beats out the whole University of Guelph team, and you know scores an overtime winner. Uh, and you know being on the call for that was was really special because that was like the first time it really clicked for me. Like wow, like this is you know it's. It, it's a unique feeling. It's, it's difficult to describe, you know, when, when you don't know what's going to happen, there's, there's an anticipation. Um, there's uh, it, it's, it's a very difficult feeling to describe, but that was the first time I really felt it calling those games. And, and that's when I knew I was really hooked, but just for years, I think the, yeah, it, what I guess really initially drew me into it was, was just, I guess in, in its simplest form, being able to watch games and <laughs> and talk about them, and someone's going to pay me to do it, like wow, you know what a what a job there. It doesn't get a whole lot better than that. But I'd say that that first year calling playoff games in particular um, was uh, was when it really kind of caught me. You know, you said some interesting things there, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say some stuff. I don't mean to confuse you, but but the way you're describing that, it's like you're being introduced to who you are as a professional, and it just happens in the course of a you're doing something and you complete it, and you go. Yeah, that's me, isn't it? Would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely would would agree. And and you know, as, as a broadcaster, oftentimes one of the things we're we're told as as young broadcasters is to be yourself on air. And and you know that's important, Jim. But you you have to know who you are, right, before you can really be yourself on air as well, right? <laughs> yes, good and, point. And there there's there's a process as a young broadcaster. When I was starting out, you know, I was calling games at 18, 19, 20 years old. Like you know, everyone's a different person you know, in their late teens, early twenties compared to, you know, I'm 26 now. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I would say I've, I've grown a lot in the last six years. So who I am as a broadcaster and a person has changed a lot in, in that time itself. But I think just going through that process and trying to find myself as a person and as a broadcaster, you know, there, there's kind of a carryover effect on either side, becoming a better broadcaster can make you a better person and becoming a better person can also make you a better broadcaster. Okay. So here's an interesting question. I think anyway, how do you challenge yourself as a broadcaster? How do you do that? Getting uncomfortable. And I've done that many times and, and putting myself in situations that are outside my comfort zone. So for me as a broadcaster, you know, I consider myself a play-by-play guy first and foremost, but I'm never afraid to, to try new things. Like, you know, I did when I was, when I was in school and I, you know, got behind the audio board and, you know, thought, what the heck am I doing here? And, you know, I just kind of fool around and, and figure it out. But, you know, even within broadcasting, you know, I was in, I was in Beijing uh, a year ago today. I was, I was just getting geared up to, to go to the Beijing winter Olympics, which was a short notice call I got from CBC asking me if I would do reporting for the men's hockey tournament there. So, you know, I'm not really traditionally a reporter, but, I said, absolutely, you know, I'll do it. And then going into, you know, an environment in China that was, uh, you know, at least at this point a year ago, still very unknown as to what we were totally getting into, you know, like there was a certain degree of risk involved with that for me as well. So that was absolutely uh, at times an uncomfortable experience, but one I'm really glad I did. And, you know, I got out unscathed and it was, it was a long 21 days in the uh, Beijing Olympic bubble. But again, through that, I made myself, a better play-by-play commentator by going in as a reporter to an unknown environment and just finding a way to get by and, and I don't want to say survive because it wasn't that dire, but just, you know, just getting in and making the most of the situation. And, and I do that with other sports too, as a play-by-play commentator, you know, I, I do a lot of hockey, a lot of ice hockey. I think just by virtue of being a Canadian commentator, you're going to get encountered with a lot of that. But, you know, I've said, I'll do any sport anytime, anywhere. And, you know, I've done tractor pull, I did Olympic field hockey for Tokyo 2020. 
Uh, I've done diving before. Like I, I really will do any sport and, and getting outside of that, that comfort zone where I know how to call a hockey game, you know, and, and if when I do an NHL game, sure, there's a little bit of nerves, I guess, associated with that, but at least I can go back and say, you know what, this is no different than it was when I was calling games at Ryerson. Like the, it's the same sport, same sport. When I get out and I, I do something like diving, I have no reference point. So I kind of have to, to reinvent my process as a commentator, how I prepare for that, how I get myself ready. And then, you know, there's, there's definitely some nerves associated with that. Like, okay, this is uncharted territory, but you find a way to overcome and get the job done. And that gives you confidence as a commentator. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, you know, even those, even though those are different sports, um, you're basically describing what's happening in front of you. So, I mean, that, that you just have to have your eyes open, right? Well, diving's diving's a lot different in terms of the call um, because when the dive happens, you know, the diver goes off the board and they do like a, you know, a bunch of flips or whatever. And that, that's all I call a commentator, right? Like I'm not going right. to get into the technicalities of it all. So my, my job as a commentator in that instance is to really set up the scene. Like we know what dive the diver is going to perform before they do it. So, you know, for example, uh, let, let's say we have a guy come up, a diver who's, who's had a lot of success, you know, in previous competitions with this one particular dive. So my job is a play-by-play guy to set that up and say, okay, this is, this is a dive out of the five rounds. This is his ace up his sleeve right here. You know, this is an important one for him. Let's see what he does, right? So to kind of set the stage, but then the actual event itself, the actual event of a dive, I don't really have anything to do with as a play-by-play commentator. So it's almost kind of like I'm hosting diving as opposed to calling it. But you do something like I've done track and field before and, and you do like a 100-meter race, like that is a play-by-play commentator is exciting. But it's also, there's great risk associated with that because if, let's say I do a two-and-a-half-hour hockey game, right? And I make some mistakes, as everyone does. You know, I, I can I can make a, a handful of mistakes and 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 mess up a very tiny, small, fractional part of that broadcast. If I make one mistake in a 100 meter race, race lasts 10 seconds. You know, I can make a one <laughs> one second mistake and I've I've botched 10 percent of the race. <laughs> That's an interesting way to look at it, Victor. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, Jim. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one 734 3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 32 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Well, let's talk about advanced planning. Your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter funeral directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Go to safebridgefinancial.com or give him a call at 416-885-885. 1761. Check out Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan, in a sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic. Available now in titanium, gold, or matte black. Go to fox40shop.com. All right, let's get into some music now. I want you to listen to this very closely. I couldn't follow through, but I fell for you. Now you're out there loving someone new And I've learned the things that then I wish I knew I didn't have a clue 
That is Christian Perry, singer-songwriter, also family member. I'm his great uncle in more ways than one. Christian, how are you today? I'm good, Jim. How are you doing? Very good. I mean, you you have just, like, this is second-tier jerker in a row you've written. I don't know why you're doing this to me, but <laughs> this is there's some great lyrics there. Thank you. So this one <laughs> actually um, isn't under Christian Perry. It's under Honey Pie. And um, so my friend and I... Matt wrote the majority of that one together. Okay, so so how does Honey Pie come about? Uh, so I've known Matt since I was 16. We always played together in high school, and now that I'm kind of back in the Grimsby area, and we were living together last year, we started writing a lot more and recording, and finally after about a year or so, this is our first track to come out. Okay, so it's called Sudbury, or as you like to say, Sudbury. So how did you come up with that pronounce pronunciation? Um, honestly, it I, I was slowly writing through the song, and I was getting to the chorus, and and I knew it was if I had stayed in, and for a bit it was Tennessee, and it was like a placeholder because it's a bit too country for me if it's Tennessee, but yeah, I don't know. I wanted it to be a bit more you know accurate to my life, so I was looking for in Ontario town and Sudbury phonetically, I think is just very beautiful and fit perfectly for the message it of the did. song. Well, it mm-hmm. did. Now, here's, here's some lyrics. These are, I call these, these are tear jerkers because if you're, if you've been through anything in life, they'll make you think about something. So one of the lines is all I did for you, I might've done for me. That, that is, that's a classic line because it's anybody who's ever mm-hmm. suffered any kind of emotional defeat, uh, and yeah. you realize what you gave and it didn't work. I mean, how, how did you come up with that? Um, I was, I guess I was trying to say like when you're in a relationship and, um, maybe you're, it seems like you're doing something for someone, but you're doing it for a selfish reason to maybe even make yourself feel like you are a, a good team player. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's basically about, about doing things for somebody for the wrong reasons, um, and then realizing that later on, I guess. Well, that's I mean that's just a, a real deep and, and long discussion about when you give of yourself to somebody else, you're assuming they want you to give, um, and you think yeah. because you've given and it's hard for you to give that it's worth something, and it's it's really it's really hard to process, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it takes couple years to uh you know understand that but here's another tearjerker line i thought moving on is what i had to do well that doesn't bring back any memories <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i guess that, that's just another one just you know not knowing what's right for the other person or right for you and i don't know going on instinct and and then you look back and you think yeah, if if I were to do it again, maybe I would do it a different way. Wow, well, that's a that's that's yeah. a, an absolute no guy for me is the re-editing of the movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if I'd done this, if I yeah, let's change that scene. Yeah, life doesn't work that way. I mean, that's a, that's probably yeah. another lyric right there. I mean, this stuff yeah. is um, it, it seems simple, but it's but it's really complicated. And you know, it's between two people. It takes so long to to work it out that it's. Uh, uh, it's quite a chore, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So how old are you? 25 now. You're 25. I mean, it's like you've been through the war here. I mean, how do you come up with this stuff? 
Um, well, it's a lot of the lyrics are me and Matt working together, and I guess we've both been through a few relationships in our family or romantic lives that, you know, have given us a fair bit of insight. And we write slow. Like, we, we really try and make every line count and say a lot more than just, you know, four or five words out of there. Well, and, and you and I have talked before on the air and certainly in person many times. It's hard to uh, to come up with a sentence that sums up so much, um, uh, you know, anticipation, yeah. emotion, and pain. And you have to exactly. do it in a childlike fashion. So I, w- I would imagine that, you know, one of these lines here, I, I thought moving on is what I had to do. That that, that was probably a, a, a struggle to, to come up with that line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because um, it, it's, it is kind of like it takes – it's not really a struggle to come up with so much as it it takes, I guess, time to think about your past experiences to be able to, you know, have the self-awareness to think about, are your actions selfish? Are they selfless? Were they right? Were they wrong? Um, and then somehow making that sound, you know, concise and nice and, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if that's the best well, answer for that one. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things that if you, if you talk to anybody, if you were having a coffee with somebody or or somebody was you know spilling the, their guts to you, it would go on in a detailed description of, you know, he did this or she did that and I did this. And you know, it just goes on and on. But if you could sum it up in one, in one line, that, that's an art form. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's our favorite, you know, once we get a line like that, you feel great. And then you just got to try and get a couple more to make a song, I guess. So where does Honey Pie Music go now? Um, We're just writing and recording, and we're going to try and hopefully get a song out every four weeks-ish and just keep pushing forward. And, um, yeah, we're just having fun at the moment, which is good. And I think we're getting better and better. Well, I, I would agree with that. So, uh, you know, how do you challenge yourself? Because, I mean, it's great to have fun, but, but it has to sort of, you know, I hate to say move forward because it's like stealing one of your lyrics, but it, but it does have to inch forward, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, in terms of writing, I think I try to challenge myself or we try and challenge ourselves by writing, not always writing about the same thing. You know, like, we have, a, like, several themes that are common, but trying to approach each song in a little bit of a different way, whether that's cadence or the type of words we use or the type of experience we're talking about. I think that's what keeps things interesting. And then the recording process is enough of a challenge in itself already. So there's no, yeah, no shortage of challenges that that song Sudbury quite literally, we started, um, I think in, I don't know, August of 2021. And it took us essentially 14 months to finally get that version. But there's four other versions that we did before that one. <laughs> Every single time, halfway through, through, we were just like, yeah, this it just doesn't sound right. So for a long time, I really did not think that we would ever finish it, but 
<laughs> eventually it gets there. Yeah. So, and, and you sent me mixes and I picked the mix that nobody liked because I, I just, when I listened to this song, uh, my theory on it was that the, the lyric is so strong that I don't really need a lot of uh, instruments in the way of it. Uh, it's just the yeah. message is there. So, I mean, how did, how did you decide how musically you were going to present the song? Forget about the lyrics. The lyrics are, can stand on their own as, as, as some sort of a poem really, but, but the musical sound, how did that evolve? Uh, so it kind of started out, um, it was a lot more, the very beginning versions there, we were using a metronome and it was a lot more tight and didn't really have the folky, you know, sound we were looking for. At one point we had some violin on it and then we were starting to go a bit of a direction we weren't trying to go to. And then finally after you know those four original versions i was the the times that we like the song the most or that it sounds the best is when we're just sitting together with two guitars playing it and so essentially what that song is is i sat down and the vocals and guitar are just one take straight through and we did like two or three and chose one and then we got matt to play um, a baby grand piano from a fam at a fam family friend's house, and um, that I think like, that sounds beautiful. I love the sound of that piano, and we always knew we wanted those long piano chords to kind of just ring out, so that the guitar can do the plucky stuff. But then um, our friend Finn had recently bought, like within the last year, a pedal steel, and he's been getting pretty good at it, and on the one of the original versions of Sudbury I was kind of doing a bit of a slide guitar thing but not really that well and so it was kind of like everything aligned perfectly and we're like well we'll try and get Finn to lay down some pedal steel and then sat down for a day and it went really well and in terms of the mixing process we kind of wanted it to sound like well essentially we recorded everything separately in a different room but we wanted it to sound kind of like we're in a cottage together i guess and um we found this great reverb called uh the capital records reverb it's essentially like a, a reverb plug-in that's a remake of the classic chamber reverb that guys like sinatra would have used at Ca uh, capital records and so we are set, we're basically all going into that reverb to some degree to make it sound like we're in the same place and then the instruments kind of start melting a bit more together and uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. i can see why it took 14 months now that you've gone yeah. through that so yeah. so sudbury is out on it's on apple music apple music spotify youtube music soundcloud kind of basically like any music platform you can think of Sudbury by Honey Pie. You'll find it. That's great. Thanks very much, Kristen. All the best. Thank you very much. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Go to SafeBridgeFinancial.com or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Let's talk about advanced planning. Your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit TurnerPorter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes guy, no guy.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the officially sanctioned Yes Guy, No Guy segment of Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Frank Corrado is our guest today. Frank, you see the topic is pregame, getting set for the game, not the meal, getting set for the game. Yes Guy, No Guy, you have an etched-in-stone routine to get ready for every single NHL game that you played. Yes, guy. And I stick to it to a T. And sometimes it's a little bit of a crutch. Sometimes you feel like you don't want to do it, but you're so superstitious that you always follow it. So yes, guy. Let me ask you this one, Jimmy. You and I work games together. I've been a player. I've been a broadcaster. I know how early you like to get to the arena. Yes, guy, no guy. Getting to the rink three hours before the game. Oh, that's a hard yes guy. Yes guy. You gotta you gotta sort of work your way into the game. You don't wanna you don't wanna walk in a half hour before and be rushed. You gotta yeah. soak up the atmosphere. So that's a hard yes guy. We had we had a lot of games at home where I would get there two and a half, maybe three hours before. Sometimes on the road, especially in the American League, you gotta get there two hours before because that's just the way the travel works and you gotta get right into it. You can't ease into it. Yes guy, no guy number two from here. Your pregame ritual has never been interrupted. Oh, no guy. It's been interrupted many, many times for various reasons. In the American League, it could be travel that sucks. In the NHL, it could be, I mean, who knows? Maybe someone didn't bring the toaster on the road and now I can't make my peanut butter uh, toast before the game. There's a number of reasons it can be interrupted guy. Jimmy, yes guy, no guy. Loud music in the car on the way to the arena. No, no, guy. No, no. I've got a playlist. It's got, it's like the history of music. So I like a little jazz. I like a little slow stuff, a little orchestra stuff, and, and then some rock in there as well. So it's got to be whatever makes me calm. So I, no, I, I don't need to get revved All right, up. Little supplemental yes guy, no guy for you. The same playlist every time on your way to the arena. No, guy. No, <laughs> I, I just, I, I have a, I showed you the playlist. It's 54 it's hours extensive. long. And, and I just hit shuffle. So whatever comes up, comes up. I mean, I put them all on there, so so yeah. I know what they are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes guy, no guy. In the pregame skate, you looked in the glass to see if the lettuce was okay. Yes, guy. Way too much than I would like to admit. And it's not even the lettuce because I did no bucket warm-up a few times. But it's just you're just looking to make sure you look good. You know, like how's oh. the gear looking today? Is everything proportionate? And then – yeah, there, there's a little bit of warm-up that gets spent kind of looking into the glass or looking beyond the glass, Jimmy. Um, yes guy, no guy. Pre-game cold tub. Oh, no guy. No, absolutely no not. No, no, no. No, I, this is a gradual build. I don't need to be startled, guy. <laughs> we, we had a little bit of a cold tub club going one year where I don't know how we got into it, and I don't even know if it's that good for you. There was a few of us hopping in the cold tub two hours before the game, yelling and screaming, getting all fired up for the game, but I think it, we were peaking a little too early. Yeah, well, if you give me the game, I'll look up the summary and tell you. I'll verify that. <laughs> so, so, so while we're on that, yes guy, no guy, smelling salts before you hit the ice for the first time. Oh, yes, guy. Love the smelling salts. Although I will say I reached a point where I don't know what happened to me, but I would smell them and I would like start to gag. I would start coughing and I had to ditch them. I had to ditch the smelling salts. I couldn't do it anymore. But early on in my career, the majority of my career, always a smelling salts guy. All right, Jimmy, I got one more for you. I don't know what your your warm up routine is like. I know I had a quite the extensive routine. Let me ask you this one. Pre-game soccer, Jimmy. Yes, guy, no guy. 
Uh, not for me. No. Okay. My warm up is just talking to people. Are you? <laughs> I, I don't need to stretch anything if you know what I mean. So let's let's end on this one. Yes guy, no guy. You had a great warm up, but not a great game. Happened all the time. Yes guy. You go out there in the warm up, you feel great. You're like posting in. You're you know you're you're looking good in the glass. You're like this is gonna be a great <laughs> game. And then somewhere halfway through the game the wheels fall off and you're like where did it go what happened and i've had the opposite where you you, you come in from warm-up you look at the guy next to you, you're like oh man this could get ugly like i'm just warning you this could get ugly and then you go you have a great game there's no rhyme or reason to anything that happens all right let's go out on this on a count of three. One, two, three. yes, yes guy, guy.